Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 106 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email them to questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 106. It's actually getting, it feels weird for me now saying, uh, welcome, you know, to Ask Alex, episode 106. It seems long-winded, you know, it's like, you know, (laughs) rather than 86 or 52, it just seems like, you know, a tongue twister now. And I always go like, you know, just because of my absolutely horrible self-esteem, I always go, you know, like, 106 episodes, no one would listen to you two dorks for that long, you know, <laughs> you guys are just making this up, right, you know, yeah. but it's, uh, it, yeah, no, it's, it's cool, it's cool, we're still going, and yeah, man, I'm good, happy to be here. Well, I didn't ask how you were yet, but that's well, fine. I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going, to, I'm going. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about I don't know if you know about my culture these days with millennials, but I have to check in with myself to discuss my truth. So that's, it's a yeah. Well, if you could go to your safe space just now while I say this, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, that is so true. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about me. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, what is well, people are listening for 106 episodes. And people are still sending in questions, which is good. Otherwise, there is no... Sh- Actually, there still is a show. We could do a, a few filler episodes, you know. Um, right. We could sh- talk about movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's quite funny. I actually spoke um, or t- to speak like a millennial. I reconnected with a friend recently. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's and, a millennial. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I contacted her like, through Facebook. I used to play poker with them and stuff live, and I've not spoken to them in a while. And... Um, we were speaking, and he says, "Oh, I still listen to the podcast every week." And I just thought that was great, like That's awesome. very. You know, I didn't think, you know, and he was like, "And uh, oh yeah, I knew you were in China and stuff." He said that, so he's not just saying it to be nice. You know, he actually right. does listen to the podcast, doing new things. So that was great, and it's yeah, you never know who's listening, and um, it's good, and we thank every one of you listeners, um, everybody that listens, shares it, or uh, buys some Alex's stuff, or, or just as Alex says, puts up with us for 106. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, and I'm and going. Well, I mean, it was a the weird moment for me was I, I think I talked to you guys about this, but yeah, I got into a taxi and in Vegas, and I was talking with my wife, and the guy turns around and he goes, "Are you Alex?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah," and he was like, "Oh, I listen to your the podcast every week." He was just. It was really into poker podcast, so yeah, you never know who's listening. It's weird when you meet like the live person, you know what I mean? And you're like, wow, you know, this guy's 
it's kind of weird. Like, how many hours have you listened to your father speak? And then it's like, well, this guy's listened to me speak for 50 hours or something like that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a weird thought, especially if your father was a man of few words. You know what I mean? It's like, how many, how much time did I really spend talking to him? You know? But yeah. Anyway, I guess wow, that, this is going really deep. No, I, I just stopped as well, thinking my own father as well. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to if do you that. Added up the, if you added up the conversation time, is that, that's true. It's no, true. That, that occurred to me one day. I was listening to I listened to Adam Carolla a lot, and I kind of I feel like it was really good therapy listening to him all the time because he's got a really can-do attitude, and yeah. you know that's really good. And I feel like that's rubbed off on me a bit. And then it occurred to me I've probably listened to Adam Carolla speak. 20 times the number of hours of both of my parents put together, you know, not because my parents didn't talk to me or anything. It's just that dude, I've had that dude's radio show on for an hour or two when I'm working around the house, like since I was really young, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's really strange when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's true. It's like I was thinking, yeah, it's not like I still speak with my dad. I'm still in contact with my dad and stuff, but, um, if you actually add up, like with a lot of people, like what we used to say, like people that you work with, you spend more time than with your spouse sometimes or your family yeah. or whatever. You know, it's it's crazy. You know where you're, and that's got to influence things and and uh, oh, change really, the. It's weird. It really. I mean, when I was working fishing, I mean we were. Uh, I mean we were working eighteen, twenty hour shifts, like six weeks in a row. You kind of think like six weeks. Well, then you're done. I'm thinking about. I wonder how many people I've spent that much time with, you know what I mean, in that close quarters. Yeah. So when you're fishing sockeye salmon, it's not like the boat's that big, you know what I mean? You run, you can't, like, you walk, you, you literally walk 10 steps and you, you know, you, you went from one end to the other. So it was kind of, it, 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 it was pretty bizarre thinking about, like, how much. And then, like, right after we get done with the trip, we never speak to each other again. That's it. You know, yeah. that's, that's it. You know, it's a, that's, yeah. that's a pretty weird thought. But, yeah. And then the flip yeah. side of it, I suppose, is when you're at school with people and oh, you, stay wow. friends after, you stay friends after school and then you sort of extend the friendship maybe when it shouldn't be extended. Yeah, and you exactly. Keep going. You know, I know, like, if you're really not friends, you know, but, like, certain people you stay... Like, I don't do it, like, really, but I remember for a little while, you're sort of still speaking to people that you shouldn't really, not shouldn't be friends with, but it's a sort of right, friendship, right. find dead. The only reason you were friends is because geographically, you were, yeah, proximity, you were at yeah. school together. And, it, yeah, don't get me wrong, there's, like, romance stories, like childhood sweethearts and stuff, but then how, you know, this soulmate thing, well, what are the odds, really? Of yeah, what are the odds, you know? And going to school with you at the same time. You know? I, I always do that with fortune tellers. I was like, don't you find it's really strange that every one of your past lives you were a king? Like, just working by the odds, you you probably should have been a serf. You know, I'm just, yeah, you know. how many kings are there? Yeah, yeah. What, what are the chances your soulmate lived on Carter Street right next to, you know, whatever street that, what you grew up on? No, I feel like that. It's really funny because I can see both sides of it. There's a kid I'm talking to from uh, high school. Well, I, if he, I doubt he listens to it, but his name's Casey Graham, and he has like he just has this amazing attitude about everything. He's just always, whatever's going on, he's got something to say about it, but it's not like offensive. It's just like dude's always thinking. He's got his own business. He's working, you know. And it's like I really enjoy talking to that person. If he ever needs help with anything, you know, it's cool. But like most people from high school, yeah, it's like 
you know, oh, are you still doing your poker thing? And it's like, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my job, dude. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. oh, so you battle rap now? And it's like, you realize, like, I've spent 10 years, 20 years with these people. I don't even know who they are, you know? Like, yeah. it's just, you know, they, and all the people who are really de- decent from high school would never, you know, they're so busy with their wife and their kids or their, you know, their husband and their kids. Like, I'm never going to speak to them. It's only the really unpleasant people who seem to have all the time, you know? And yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's funny how that works out. It was a, I got to tell you guys about a funny experience. Well, it wasn't that funny experience, but I just have to... I have to say this. So we were doing the show last week, right? We were dropping serious knowledge, Barry and I. I have never felt more satisfied in my life because it was like, it's the culmination of hundreds of books and 10 years walked and all that. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh my God, I'm dropping so much knowledge. The timing of this was so funny. Right after that, I had a two and a half hour business meeting where essentially my business manager handed me my ass about all these things I've been doing wrong for the last three minutes. I went from feeling the smartest I'd felt in weeks to the dumbest I'd felt in years, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I cannot explain how, but it was really cool because he showed me, we don't talk about this in, like, school. This is something I wanted to bring up with you, but, like, no, they don't teach you how to study and they don't teach you how to work in mm. school, Right. And he, he literally just sat there and he said, look, this is how you're going to work from now on because you have all this crap like up in the air and what ends up happening is you get like decision paralysis and you end up working on, you know, everything that's super urgent, right? He's like, there's essentially he was talking about, you know, there's all these categories of things you could be doing and there's urgent, necessary urgent, not necessary. You're working a lot on urgent, not necessary, right? Just random people's emails and stuff like that. And then, you know, what you're not doing is all this stuff to develop the business. And he came, you know, he came up with this whole organization system for me and way to like break down all my tasks into small, really achievable goals, how to put them all in like one day, how to mark them when they're done how to organize them. And he was like showing me how to use all the programs. So it was one of the greatest experiences in my life. I just thought the timing of it was hilarious, right? Like just going from, I felt like it was my first poker lesson. Like not that I ever took a poker lesson, but there, well, I mean, I talked to a lot of people that it was essentially like a poker lesson, but it was like being told everything you know is a lie. Like you're so bad at this. Well, and he was showing me like, well, you made a mistake with this in business. You made a mistake with that. And then he was, like, tallying up, like, all the money it was costing me. And I was like, I'm going to go hang myself, dude. Like, thanks. <laughs> like, this is, this is like, but, I mean, it was really good. You know, that's how you want uh, your business manager to talk to you, right? You know, and it was just, I, I thought, that's the only thing I have to report from last week, by the way. <laughs> so I thought it was just hilarious, like, the timing of that all. But it's true nobody knows anything we don't know anything all you can do is pass on your own experiences and, mm-hmm. and that is all you can do you know and yeah, exactly it's like and everybody's different as well certain advice just is not for other people and you have to it's like what we were speaking about cliffs from great books it's you can tell someone here's what you do with money you do this you portion it this way and save this way and that but if they've not ever blown all their money and got that out of their system that we've spoken about before or experienced it it's right. like talking about it. Well, because people told both me and you, 
look, cut out that, cut out this, don't do it. And we just looked at them like they were fucking idiots. You know? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. people look like us, like we're idiots if they've not experienced it and then until they do experience it, etc. Right, so exactly. you've got to live it and just and if you survive and don't kill yourself, uh, then you've got a chance sort of thing of then reapplying the knowledge. It's weird. It's like to turn it back to poker. You don't understand bankroll yeah. management until you go broke, sort of thing. You know, like it, exactly. it's. I know, I know you deposited and never deposited again. No, 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 no. I, I mean, uh, I before I that you used to go broke. I mean, no, no, know, dude, like, dude. I, I, absolutely. Well, I did everything in my world possible to turn my like you know zero dollar bankroll into a six figure bankroll, and then like once I got there, I was like, you know, uh, well. You know, party times begin now. I'll never go broke because I I, I couldn't go broke with two thousand dollars. How was I going to go broke with three hundred thousand dollars, right? And it took less time than you could believe to go broke when you're you know you're buying you know you're buying an ounce of weed every four days for you and your buddies, and you're you know you're partying constantly, and you're traveling everywhere, and you you, you know you're you're playing every five k and ten k that comes up. It's just one day it's gone, you know, and it's like. Well, that took four months and 29 days, so you know, or whatever it was. And yeah, I mean, it's true about. It, there's something I was reading yesterday. I think it was. I think it was called the Upside of Down. I skim a lot of books now. I don't. I don't. I, I find a lot of nonfiction books. It's like they have their central thesis, and then it's like it, it's like 300 pages of filler. You know what I mean? There's like the very central thesis, and then there's a lot of anecdotes and there's a lot of look how this person did that. And I really just need one anecdote, one idea. Right. So I'm, I'm skimming a lot of books. Now the only time I really read through the book is when I really want to enjoy the journey. You know what I mean? Like that, that like there's this new book out called grit, which is uh, if you haven't seen Angela Duckworth's uh, Ted talks, I really recommend you do it. But uh, it's essentially, I think it's going to be a ton of anecdotes about people who were really not talented and just gutted it out, right? Now, that's something I'd enjoy the journey of, and I really want to read that book. But and there's, you know, I'm reading this book called The Darknet, which is fascinating. That's a, quite a journey, just seeing what they're doing and, you know, these uh, websites that aren't picked up by any search engine. But, you, you know, when you're reading a book like, you know, a lot of these nonfiction books, you can just read the cliff notes and then skim a bit and see if there's anything really interesting, right? Or skim the cliff notes, find the section that's really vital. And there was one part of this book, The Upside of Down, where they were talking about, there was a lot of sections that I thought were, you know, very political. They were interesting, but they were, they were saying like failing gracefully is the source of all creation failing gracefully is the source of everything and it's if you think about it even in the most in all the abrahamic religions in the world you know jews christians and muslims uh part of their canon is genesis and in genesis even god goes i messed up time to do this again flood you know good game everybody right and failing gracefully I, I realize I've gotten to my part in life to, to a point where I'm very happy, you know, even uh, uh, even when really tough things happen these days, there's a big part of me that goes like, well, well, at least you have the money to pay for doctor's visits, at least you have the money to, you know, get through this and stuff like that, and at least you, 
you're you're pretty sound in mind these days. You you'll be all right, you know. And I don't think I would have gotten to that if I hadn't failed at a hundred thousand different things. You know what I mean? And there's like uh, all the uh, all the failures teach you something, right? And there is. <laughs> I remember one time there was a card runner's video where it was just it, it, the guy went on for 20 minutes about how terrible of a poker player I was. And like the guy shunned me the, to the community and everybody was like, oh, you'll never get anyone to buy percentages of you now. <laughs> and then all I remember from that video is first I was devastated, you know, for like eight days because it hurts so bad to be told you were so bad at poker. Right. And then I started watching the video and I was like, this guy's telling me everything I'm doing wrong, right? So I just sat there with a notepad and I wrote everything down and then I started applying it and I started doing better. And then I wrote the guy a thank you letter, which I think drove him up a wall because you could tell he really didn't like me, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's really just failing gracefully and not really getting that mad at yourself when you fail. I mean, there's, there's certain, I wrote an article called Spew More years ago just about how you should go out there and just the, the big thing is just making yourself uncomfortable right you can comfortable to me you know you laying around the house is comfortable right but you're not you're the more you can stand being uncomfortable the more successful you can be right and it, like when you're working out that's not exactly comfortable right but if you're you know really pushing yourself you're really uncomfortable and that tends to be uh, where most of the success lies. And if you can just stand being uncomfortable for longer periods of time than most people, things will happen for you as long as you get out there and do that. The only times that's not true is, I think, like with substance abuse, because uh, that can have permanent ramifications. And I, I think with kids, you know what I mean? I, I tell my friends all the time, like, you know, you want to get married, get married. You want to Break up, break up, you know, but just don't bring kids into it, you know, until you got some money stocked away and you've been with the person like 10, 15 years and you feel even better about the relationship, you know what I mean? And especially, you know, if you got a little money these days, you know, you can freeze her eggs, you can free, you know what I mean? And then those are the only things I think you can't mess around with, right? I mean, I'm sure there's other examples, right? Just with other people's lives you don't want to be messing with, but... Yeah, anyway, I'm on my high horse. Let's answer some questions. Yeah. And, All right, well, we've been talking about books and stuff like that, so it's a nice books segue awesome. into yeah. uh, it's a nice segue to talk about your book because a few questions have been sent in about your new book, The Myth, the Myth of Poker Talent. So we're going to do these at the start of this show, and this is another day that me and Alex are recording two episodes back-to-back -back as I'm going away to Vegas for two weeks for my brother's wedding, so... Hopefully someone will notice uh, me um, uh, when I'm playing uh, cash and say, oh, are you the Scottish guy that like, always takes the piss out of Alex? You know? so, uh, <laughs> and uh, that'd, be, that'd be quite cool. Um, so definitely come and say hi if, if you do hear me uh, shouting in one of the card rooms. <laughs> and um, right, the first question this week is from Ian Scanlon. And it is Myth of Poker Talent. Hey, I tried to buy Alex's book off Amazon, but the order never came and got cancelled. Out of stock, apparently. I was wondering if I could buy it from you guys directly, Ian. Uh, yeah, why don't you write me an email at alex at pokerheadrush.com. Uh, if you could remind me, you know, don't just go, hey, this is Ian, help out, because I, <laughs> there's a good chance I'll forget what that means in a few days <laughs> by the time you see this. 
So uh, you just explain your situation to me. I'll forward it to the publisher, and they'll figure it out. The units did move pretty quickly. I got to thank you guys for that. That's not – you never really know how a book's going to do, you know, but we had quite a few pre-orders and quite a few people go out there and buy it. Like, to the point I was kind of dumbfounded about it because – you know, you think you've got, like, a thousand fans out there somewhere, right? But, like, are they all going to fork over 30 bucks, right? And then, uh, at, at, other than that, you need a lot more than that to make up your advance. But we're well on the way to that. So thank you guys for that. You know, God bless you all. I really appreciate that. I mean, the fact you guys do that allows me to keep doing what I love. I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for letting me be myself. And I really, really hope I can help you with this. And, yeah, stock kind of moved quickly. There was a few times it, it, it kind of wanked out there. But, yeah, you let me uh, – uh, you just write me and I'll figure it out. Okay, Ian, and I'll reply to your email as well to remind you and sort out. And you can how to message Alex, etc. Thank you, Barry. In, ca- in case he doesn't listen to this, you know, for, for a week <laughs> or so. Yeah. Um, and, okay, and the next question is also about your book again. And it is from – let me try and not butcher this guy's name. It's from Uh-oh. Rob Rob Galliardi, I think it is. It's G A G L I A R D I. I just went Gagliardi, yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I or Galliardi. This is one of my students, and I don't know how to pronounce oh, it. Oh, well, we're going to call you Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. How often do you really say someone's last name? Like, have you ever called me Fitzgerald here? But yeah, like, anyway, can, <laughs> continuing. Okay, uh, Alex, I received your new book on September 15th, and I have completed chapter five so far. Not only is it a great book, but it works hand in hand with your webinars. My cool. question is the book pertains mostly to tournament play, and I play mostly cash. Do the strategies in the book work for cash also? Thank you for everything, Rob. That's a really good question, Rob, and I'm really glad you asked that because I'm going to be making some videos in conjunction with this, uh, with this project, and a lot of it's just going to be converting it to other formats. So, something about the book, a lot, of, a lot of people's chief criticism with the book is this is mainly for online play. It's like, yes, uh, most of my career was spent in the online sphere, so... Uh, I, I think most people who bought it uh, suspected that, that that was going to be what most of the material was going to be derived from. Uh, but you can convert this to live play fairly quickly just by opening up a hand range calculator and seeing what hands you think people are raising from what position and just making educated guesses from each point. Uh, that's one thing. And this can be converted to cash games because as I state throughout the book, and I probably should have been a little bit more forthcoming about this, uh, I use Chippy V throughout the book, and we we discuss uh, ICM uh, quite a bit in one section just to give you an eye. I think my ICM, it, the ICM section is the only section I borrowed from excelling at No Limit Hold'em because, I, I, quite frankly, I thought I hit a home run with it. And uh, most people who read that section said, like, this is the first time I understand what ICM is uh, due to your explanation. Because if you don't, you know, you don't grow up playing poker tournaments, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to say to someone where it's like, oh, you have 10,000 ships, you, you, you increase to 20,000 ships. Well, the, you, you're, that 10,000 ships isn't worth as much as the 10,000 you had. And it's like, what? That makes no sense, right? 
And I think I hit it out of the park as far as explaining that. But the majority of the book deals with Chip EV because the truth is, uh, you know, they always talk about the Pareto principle. You want to get, you know, the the one the ten percent of inputs that give you ninety percent of the results, the twenty percent that give you the eighty. Well, in this part of poker, like ninety eight percent of a poker tournament, if you were operating from Chip EV, you would be just fine. Right. It, there's very specific ICM situations. We brought up a number of them in the book. I'm going to work to bring up more of them in my follow-up materials. The game of poker is never solved. I can't get everything into every book. It was already a ginormous book. Uh, it, it, right, that's a fake word, and I said it like it, it was real. But, yeah, anyway, it was already a gigantic book to begin with. And uh, But it, the, the ICM situations we've talked about here and stuff like that, but it, Chip EV, by the way, is just cash games. Yeah, cash games, a chip is a chip, right? You know, and we do... I do discuss when there's like there's differences, right? And when you should be a little bit more careful. But I'm very happy to hear that it works with the webinars too, because something I really want to bring into with the is I, I'm doing it with Live Poker 101 is we're going to talk cash games as well. And cash games, it, 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 cash games are essentially chip EV. So if you think a play is profitable. You just go ahead and do it, assuming you can reload, assuming you're rolled for the stakes. And everything in that book is going to show you how to calculate whether a play is profitable or not. And it's a, it's a bit of an adventure because there's, it, it, it gets pretty messy. I really, uh, not, not like the book is a mess, but it, it's messy trying to use everything. It, essentially with this book, I, I was sitting there like outlining it, right? And, and I said... You could write these sections, and it'll essentially be retreading a bunch of articles you've written already, or you could try to hit the home run, right? Now, the home run's going to be way harder, right? You're going to have to, you're gonna have to use Cardrunner's EV. You're going to have to use Flabzilla. You're going to have to use ICMizer. More than that, uh, I don't know if I've brought this up. There's, I think there's like 200 pictures in the book, right? And they're showing you how to use all this poker software, that was not easy to do. You know what I mean? That's a lot of copy, paste, crop, save. And then, you know, you send it to the publisher and, uh, you know, you're editing, right? And you edit and then, like, the length of the text gets mixed around and then the, the, the files get mixed around and then you have to redo it, right? You have to make sure it's – and then you have to redo it again. But I think we – I don't know. You know, the jury's still out on the book, but I think we hit a solid triple, you know what I mean? I feel like this is one of the best books uh, you could get for poker right now and really get a complete understanding as far as, uh, as, far as poker. I, I know the material is that good. Uh, I'll let you guys decide if it works for you. If it works for you guys, then it's a home run. But obviously that's not something I can't tell you guys. You know, if I don't communicate my message clearly enough to you guys, that's my fault. So I can't call it a resounding success yet until the verdict is in. And uh, by the way, if you guys are enjoying this book, go to Amazon and leave me a review. That really helps me because Lord knows the one jackass that doesn't like this book is going to write a review because every hater <laughs> in the world has a has a computer these days. You know, it's like, it, but uh, negative reviews are hilarious. But yeah, any, anyway. All right. Uh, ne next question. OK. And the next question is from Russell. Uh, hey, guys. 
I've been playing some W Cube games. Found myself tilted a lot more than normal. Yeah. Won't bore you. Won't bore you with the bad beat stories. But Good. some crazy guy. I, I love that. I won't bore you with the bad beat stories. But some, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I won't bore you with. Sorry, Russell. I won't bore you with the bad beat stories. But some crazy guys calling off massive stacks with absolute garbage, deep in tournaments as well. What's your advice for dealing with some of the play in these fields and also for dealing with the tilting aspect? Thank you. Well, that's a, uh, that's a great question. Something that was really interesting, I'm never going to do this again, but we recorded two like W Coops from start to finish on my Twitch, and there was one where, according to Holden Manager, I was running, <laughs> it was like, my actual EV was like plus eight big blinds per hundred, which is fantastic and probably right where it should be in some of those softer fields. And I was actually running like negative 22.4 or something. <laughs> and at the end of the tournament series, you can see me losing my effing mind. Right. And I was kind of glad that was out because when you guys hear me in these podcasts, a lot of people just say, Oh, you know, Alex got, has his stuff together. And it's like, well, in, private life I do have to have my life together because that's affecting my family and stuff like that but like in competition I don't I don't know one competitive anything where people don't get heated you know what I mean you watch basketball football baseball yeah. like people get heated you know what I mean and if it's a day in day out thing you're supposed to get heated uh the one way I find the number okay these are the ways I find that you avoid that and uh it First off is, before you enter a poker tournament, you got to ask yourself, am I in the right frame of mind to play right now? I just skipped the entire W coup because uh, uh, there were some health issues and there were some personal life issues. And uh, I'm doing fine right now, obviously, right after W coup, right, or like right, right around that. And, uh, but it, it's one of those things. I, you know, everybody on earth told me, like, you're so, dude, you're an online poker player. How are you not going to play the W Coop, bro? And it's like, if I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to play anything. It's not like there isn't another poker tournament tomorrow, you know? There's always going to be, the game's always going to be there. Poker's here to stay. I, I'm a firm believer in that. I would not bet against there being poker tournaments for me to play when I'm 65 years old, right? There will always be the game. But what, the money is kind of hard to come up with if you're playing when you should, don't feel like. Now, if you've got a backing contract and the dude understands, you know, like, hey, I need you playing, right? You've you got to be forthcoming with him and be like, look, this is what's going on in my life. I, I think I'm still plus EV, but I'm not going to be 100%. And if he's cool with that, you go ahead and play. Uh, the way you kind of – the way I – I don't really get heated. I can't remember the last time I got really tilted at a poker table. It seems like every year it gets – it gets a lot better. And like th this year at the S SHRPO, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, I was really proud of myself because I bet folded an over pair or like top pair, top kicker like six times in three days. Like literally not one time I went for the triple barrel. Did it work? Like every time the guy's like, I made a set, sweet, I'm all in, you know, or like whatever. And then, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it, our people would show me, like, made my two pair on the river. And it's like, yeah, yeah, well done, yeah, you know. And then uh, <laughs> I, I was amazed, like, how relaxed I was, right? And, I mean, certainly you can still 
feel it, the other thing is don't like be mad at yourself for getting heated. That's not no. That's not. It's not. It'd be pretty weird if you didn't get heated. There, there were a few times, you know, somebody said like a weird comment to me, or somebody got the better of me in a hand, and I kind of had to. All right, you know, deep breath. He's playing the game too. That's what he's supposed to do. You know, it's it's part of the game, right? You know, it's. I've been watching a lot of baseball lately because the Mariners have a chance to get into the playoffs for the first time in God knows how many years, right? And it's really funny because you see these guys like they always close in on these guys, and it's a uh, you, you know like you you see them call each other mother effer and stuff like that, right? And then like. Uh, uh, it, you know, and then at the end of the game, they're talking to each other like it's nothing, right? You know, like the opposing teams, and then, you know, they go out to dinner with each other, and it's like, you gotta, you know, and, but in the moment, they look pretty heated, you know, and then they have to get into the the pitcher's box. Remember, and these, are, these guys are multi-millionaires, right? You know, they, if you're actually still out there fighting for it, you're still really going to be heated when these things come up, but I mean, the big thing to always do is make sure you're playing tournaments when you're doing well. Uh, I, I think you've got to work on your endurance in the, uh, in the off season or when you're not playing poker tournaments. I'm, uh, I, I've been really working on that for the first time in a while, you know, just trying to go to the gym for, uh, at four times a week, trying to run four or five times a week, you know, trying to uh, at least run down to the gym, which is like three miles. But like, you know, if you can do like a six, a longer run and get that endurance game up, that's really good. Uh, I, I don't find like, you know, people are like, I want to get my body in really good shape and do CrossFit. And it's like, yeah, I see, I see why uh, interval training would do that. But I, it, I'm really training for like 12 hour sessions and stuff like that. Uh, another thing that's really good is just to, if you ever watch like tennis players, between uh between serves or uh, between sets uh, it, like between any point really they're really relaxing they you see them like let go of their their entire like muscle system being contracted right they're really stretching out and trying to relax themselves and you see this in pretty much any sport where they're trying to like relax themselves between uh actions and with poker it's always amazing to me to see people like they get done with a a session of poker and then they have like a 15 minute break and what do they do they go right to their friends to talk poker again for another 15 minutes you know pull your hoodie up find a quiet place and just take some deep breaths you know what i mean and then try to relax yourself uh if you're playing like online obviously this is a little harder but something i would do is just like get up and like you know i I try to like stretch out you know you you can even jump around if you want to get the blood flowing a little bit, and uh, I think the other thing that's really important is you play with money that you can afford to lose, and you remember these are these are glorified lotteries, okay, and this is somebody who's kid, spent their life studying them, you know, like my entire adult life, I've been studying poker tournaments, right, and like, I, these are lotteries, there are a lot of, you know, there are lotteries you can get a significant edge in, but People do this thing where it's like, well, I'm entering a tournament with 1,043 people, and I think I win it one time out of 426, so this is a great value. It still means 425 times you're not going to be happy, you know? It's so if you kind of go in and realize my job here is to bust gracefully and to hopefully make a little money with it, 
Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be your job 99.9% of the time is to take even more than that, you know. And uh, it, it's going to be to get as deep as you can and to kind of manage the storm. When people, I, I always laugh my ass off when I see people playing poker tournaments. And they, they get all heated about, like, the most normal thing on earth. Like, oh, my God, I lost my 60, 40. And it's like, yeah, look around at this room, buddy. Everybody in the next 25 tables you can see is going to have that happen to them at some point. And maybe one of these guys is going to get to the final table. It, what narcissistic universe do you think it's always supposed to be you that is the one guy that makes it through? You know, and then... Yeah, and I talk to myself like that too. Like whenever I get heated, it's like, did you really think you're supposed to win every tournament? You know, did you really think that was what was going to happen, or did you think what's going to happen to 999 pe- people here out of a thousand was more likely to happen to you? And if you, once you accept you're in that percentage, most of the time you can just control it, right? And that's really your big, uh, your your big job in poker tournaments is to control the storm and play the hand you're dealt. And as tacky as that sounds and as contrived as that sounds, but you're given a fixed number of hands and your job is just to make, uh, you're trying to make a, you're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. You know what I mean? It's just, you're just trying to make it work. That's it. You know? And then, uh, it's, uh, if you can do that regularly, you will have a job. You will be able uh, I have a better life than pretty much anyone I know because I can do that. Now, have I won a major live online tournament? No. Have I? Uh, I I've won, you know, uh, it, like WCOOP second chances and stuff like that. But like uh, most of my job is, you know, I made a WCOOP final table. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't win. I or like I've won like, you know, second chance. It, Really good at the second chances. Like, my biggest store, score was in a second chance. Uh, or one of my biggest scores, it was like I chopped a W Coop 1K second chance. But that was after, like, a 10K, like, went, you know, went to ashes, right? You know, and a lot of people just throw it away. But it's, a, it's about managing the storm, right? I won the W Coop uh, uh, Turbo Zoom second chance a couple years back, and that was after... Uh, you know, the main event didn't go that well, right? And by the way, if uh, if you guys are a fan of the YouTube videos, I'm going to be posting all the portions. And I forgot again, three days in a row, I've been meaning to upload those videos and I keep forgetting. So yeah, Barry, I need you to call me at about 5 a.m. Scotland time to tell me to upload those videos. You think you can do that? Uh... I, got two, I got two of them up already. But yeah, essentially those videos are up already. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, it's all about managing the storm and it's like it, you it, even most of the time you make a final table, you're not going to win it. Something dreadful is going to happen, you know, and people do this thing where it's like they lose 75 percent of their chips and they just lose their minds. And it's like, what gave you the right to think you're going to go wire to wire? How many final tables at a poker table have you seen like that? You know what I mean? Usually something awful happens at some point. You're supposed to just accept that. And I, I think that's really hard for poker players just to – it's really hard for people to take themselves out of it because in our world, obviously, we think ourselves are special because we're the only person we intimately experience in this way, right? So we think things are going to happen for us that we necessarily don't think 
have happen for other people. So I, I'm telling you all, you all got to get clinically depressed or like uh, have really low self-esteem. Then you'll start seeing things <laughs> for how they are. But yeah, any, anyhow, uh, hope, hope I, I also have an article called Unconventional Tips for uh, Tilt Control. Uh, be sure to check that out on PokerNews.com. That's one of my favorite articles I've ever written. Uh, I, I have a lot of people. Uh, I have a lot of people that have written that they enjoyed that. Uh, I had one guy who said like, oh, "Who writes an entire article about it? They don't like bad beat stories." And it's like, well, I uh, I don't think you read the article because that's not what it's about. <laughs> but yeah, any, anyway, uh, check that out, guys. Okay, and uh, next question is from Salah. Um, hello, I've started playing uh, 100 NL cash games on ACR. As a rule, what are some tips I should be following here? Overall, is tight still right at these stakes? I don't have Hold'em Manager yet or any HUD. Can you use a HUD on ACR? Yes, you can use a HUD on ACR, and you should use the assassinatohud.com. Be sure to check it out. But no, you should get no caddy. You should get a... Uh, you should get the Assassin on HUD because it's the best version of no caddy. Otherwise, you got to sit there and program all the stats yourself, which really sucks. And we do have a cash HUD. You can check that out at assassinautohud.com. But, uh, yeah, I'd really uh, – the thing in these uh, games, uh, I haven't played cash extensively in a while, but 100 NL, I think, is where the money is on ACR. I see a lot of – you know, when I'm overseeing people that play, uh, it seems like 200 NL is once the regs start getting there. Those are a lot of the American regs that didn't relocate after Black Friday, and they're grinding it out there. 100 NL, you see a lot of guys. It's like, oh, it's 100 bucks. I'll put it down. We'll see what happens, right? From the sports book, lots of limping, lots of stuff like that. I think uh, tight is right in these games. I think if you play tighter with the rake back, I think you'll do pretty well. Make sure you get that rake back. And if you play tighter with the rake back and just put in the hours, I think you'll do well. Uh, and a lot of it goes back to the basics. Don't, don't play your big hands out of position, right? Don't, don't be really big on three-betting out of position unless you have a really clear plan or you really know the guy, right? Some cool thing with the Assassin O'Hud is sometimes you'll see the guys fold to flop, C-bet is 33%. Fold to turn, C-bet is like 35 And then fold to river is like 68 You know, if you see that guy, by all means, three, three bet and triple barrel him down and uh, see what you can do with him. But uh, most of the time, I think what's also really good to do in cash games, and like, if I miss anything from not, I, I really have to pursue the coaching side of things uh, just because financially it's much, it's much better. Uh, the, the amount of money you can make coaching if you really know what you're doing. And it, it is compared to how many hours I had to put in, like when I was playing cash for a living, uh, it, it, it's much better. But one thing I really miss about playing cash games for a living is pulling up my database and hold a manager and looking at the different regs and just writing down, like, how could I exploit this guy? Right, like just really going through the numbers because then I felt like I don't know, I, I felt like I was on like a sports team, you know what I mean? And you're doing scouting reports and stuff like that. And then I'd, I'd have my notepad in front of me. I guess these days it would be like a, you know, like a tablet or something. Uh, but I would have my note in front of me and it would be like, these guys are susceptible to this. And I'd list their specific weaknesses out, right? And just trying to go throughout my day, like that. There, there's something about a long game 
that's really enjoyable if you can, if you're just kind of, if you're into that, right? Like there's, I, I, I was watching a baseball game yesterday. It was four hours and 20 minutes. Uh, Barry's salivating. He loves baseball, you know, <laughs> but like, uh, it, like it's, it was like four hours and 20 minutes. And it's like part of the joy of watching that game to me is when the Mariners lose. Right. Like that sounds really weird, but it's when my home team loses, there's, there is like an investment to it because when they finally do make the playoffs, it is an amazing moment. Like even if your team doesn't go to the world series, even if your team doesn't win a championship, it is a, such a payoff once you, because you invest those hours. Right. And it's the same in poker. You get financial rewards for being in this long game. And there was something about playing like an eight, nine hour session when you're trying to apply these leaks and you're trying to take advantage of these leaks. You're trying to apply pressure on these leaks and it might not come up till, you know, hour six or something like that. And it might not work the first time. Right. And just the constant endless cycle of invention and reinvention and analysis. That's really, I, I think where, the money is made when it came to cash games. Or certainly when I did play cash games for a living, uh, that's where the money was really made. And I, I think this is why you need to find like niche sites uh, because the number of regulars you'll be dealing with on America's card room is I'll say about like 20 guys. Uh, I did try to play on stars for like a day uh, when I was younger. And like, I, I played like three sessions and you know, just sucked in every single one of them as I expected. But one of the reasons I backed off is I was like, I, I have like a list of 70 regulars I have to look into. And by the way, this is the night shift, right? Like in the morning, there's another hundred or something like that. And then I was just like, whatever, dude, like I'm not, I don't have time for this. Right. And uh, I think it's really good to find that. You need a couple things to make a lot of money from cash games. You need break back. Uh, you, you need time. And you need a small player base to take advantage of. And you need loose money. You get all of these on America's card room, right? You don't have as many regulars, so it's easy to keep track of them. You have a lot of recreational players coming in from the sports book. You have good software, so you can stand it for long hours at a time. And you can, with the statistic tracking programs, you can write everything down. You know, And that's really, I, I think it's crucial. And I, I, the, going back to the myth of poker talent, you buy that book for 26 bucks. Read just the HUD section. The HUD section, I've had people tell me I've never read anybody describe that HUD as well as you did. I, if I just sold that HUD section for $26, I would not lose sleep at night, right? And if you read it, it it's just going to say, if you see this number, it means that. If you see this number, it means this. If you see, and this is one, uh, almost 100%. There, it's very hard to fudge the numbers, right? It's, it's really... You can't, I mean, just because the numbers don't really lie, right? Like your buddy can come over to you and say, like, there's 5,000 miles on this car. But, it, you know, it, it, if you, you, you look at the meter and it says 384,000, there's no way to manipulate that meter. That's the real answer. It's not what this person said, right? And if you take a look at these stats and it says the guy has continuation bet, 11 out of 14 times, that means he's probably C-betting too much and you can check raise him and put him in some very difficult spots and consistently cycling through those, trying to put that stuff in, studying the numbers, figuring out their applications and taking them down, I think is really 
where the money is. So I would start with like Titus, right? You you should start with that because that that's the big thing. Every everybody does this thing where it's like, well, I want to open as many hands as possible. That's what I used to do because generally the poker players back in like 2009, you know, up until about 2011, poker players were pretty bad at a lot of different things, right? Now the general level of play has come up quite a bit, right? So you kind of have to pick their specific weaknesses. So you can't just open the 10-7 suited from the hijack like you used to be able to, right? Uh, just because you can't really just railroad someone. And uh, it, I don't think you should be opening the 10-8 suited. And with the 10-9 suited, uh, I mean, it's fun. You know, it's a good time. But, like, you've got to be careful when you're out there. You know what I mean? You've got to know what you're doing. And uh, I think if you can just have very tight opening ranges, that's really good. But I would expand your three-betting range a little bit. If you open – the old phrase is open tight, three-bet light, or open wide, three-bet uh, uh, three tight. And I think that's really – I think the better option these days is open tight, three-bet light. And the, if you do identify these people, you can do this with the Assassin Auto HUD. You take a look at what they're opening, what they're – the really cool thing with no caddy is it'll just show you every hand that guy's open from that position, right? And that, this is so fun and so, uh, so great to work with, right? And if you see like a jack eight suited, then three bet that king jack off suit for value. You're dumb, and if you see the guy doesn't fold the three bets, go ahead and do it, and then uh, you know try to get a bunch of streets of value. If you hit your hand, don't be scared. Get in there and try to get, uh, try to get your money, you know, and. If you don't accidentally value bet your friend, uh, your friend's hand, your opponent's hand, uh, some of the time in the river, you're not value betting enough, right? I, I value own myself more than anybody else I know. And it's really, I, I, you got to be really willing to do these things in beat stack poker. And I mean, this comes back, let's go back to that SHRPO. By the way, I'm writing live poker one, 101 right now, and I'm using all my hands from that tournament. And this, it's so fun, Barry. It's so fun to turn on the death metal and then just write. I, I can't believe I got paid to do that just because, you know, I was doing that for free when I was 15 years old, right? And like getting paid peanuts to write about vi video games, right? And then concerts and stuff. But like uh, these all, it, it's so fun to like play deep stack poker once you get into it and you really start learning from it. And I think if you can make it fun, I think you'll succeed at some point. And I'm noticing going through these hands, what will really separate you is one you have to be it, – it, It's there's this duality. You have to be relentless in getting value. Poker players are notoriously bad at folding one pair. I don't care who you are. That tends to be a leak up until you get to like 400 NL, 200 NL maybe these days, right? But if you get like a good pair, a good kicker, you got to go for three streets, right? And then – and the weird thing is you got to be relentless – it's about getting that value. And then if the guy just dumps his chips on you on the river, you got to ask yourself some big questions. And it's, is this guy capable of turning his like third pair into a bluff? And there are guys that can do that. Uh, so maybe you've seen some of the hands in some of my replays or YouTube videos where I, I like bet for thin value a second pair on the river and check the, call the check jam all in with uh, just the second pair, no kicker. But the vast majority of the time, the guy doesn't have that in his system, right? He's, and it, you can look at his statistics. You can look at his river aggression frequency. If you see his river aggression frequency, it's 12%. He's never bluffed in his life 
on the river. So he's probably not started now. And if he does show you the bluff, then congratulations. That's the one bluff he's run in the last four years. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, guys who bluff all the time don't show their bluffs because then they'll start getting consistently called down. But you have to be relentless about getting value and you have to be completely relaxed about letting it go. Uh, every SHRPO tournament I got really deep, uh, was get, you know, just getting really on the money, getting some chips and stuff like that. And it was just about relentlessly going for that value. And then I was holding on to my chip stacks when I ran into some hands and eventually it did lead to a cash. It did lead to, you know, uh, getting the, getting up there in the chip standings and stuff like that. It was the same thing in the WSOP main event, which I cashed, right? Which by the way, is going to be in live poker one-on-one. I I'm excited for that. I'm doing artist renderings of all the players I played against. So, because I figure I can't use their image, right? Like legally in a commercial sense. So like I'm sending out to all these artists to do their images. And it's so fun. It's not cheap, but it, it is fun, you know? But uh, uh, there's like artist renderings, like it's a courtroom, you know, like dun dun, the check raiser has come <laughs> in, right? But like, uh, like in the WSOP main event, or if you want to start playing some of these like deep stack tournaments and there's deep stack tournaments with like $400 buy-ins in Las Vegas and stuff like that, but they're really good training for like these 10 K's. Right. I bet folded again, like constantly on the river. Right. But when I finally did, I got like two value hands. I just got all the money. Right. Because I was just, uh, I had created this image of a guy who is constantly betting down and, uh, it, eventually I did take a bunch of the chips and I only needed that. I didn't have higher than starting stack until like day two. I had to keep bet folding, bet folding, bet folding. And then chop, chopping out pots is the other thing. You have to find ways to like chop out pots cheaply, right? And a lot of that is being tight. If you're tight and then, you know, you raise and you see that a lot of times they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you're like, you know, if you're one of these jackasses I see at live poker tournaments who is, like, trying to show, like, how, how sick I am, you know, like, check out how sick I am. I can open up every hand. Nobody's going to want to fold to you, right? So then, then you have to increasingly risk more and more. You have to get start double-barreling and triple-barreling more. And uh, sometimes people are just going to hold on against you, right? Now, that's good if you have, like, top pair with, like, the second-best kicker, and they're holding on with all the top pairs. But if you're running without the ball, you're going to get caught at some point, you know? So uh, I think, you know, keep it tight, get, get into those numbers, have fun with it. Okay. You got to have fun with it before you ever start making money and just try to feel like, you know, like if you were entering like a chess club that was really storied, you wouldn't expect to be kicking everybody's ass by day six. Right. Uh, it's the same thing when you play America's card on America's card room, you, there will be like recreational players try to take your money from them and, you know, just try to learn about the regs. It's going to take you some time to learn from the regs because the thing about American regs is a lot of them have been playing as long as I have like 10 years, you know what I mean? And even if they're not like, e even if like there's an American colleague, I'm not a big fan of his game. He still knows some tricks. He still knows his stuff. And I'm not just going to, like, try to go for his throat. Like, remember, remember in my example, I said some of these leaks won't come up until the six hour you play. Sometimes you'll make these incredible scouting reports and none of the situations will come up, right? And you'll just be pissed, right? Oh, my God, I should, I should have gotten a spot there or something like that. And then, uh, but it, it, it is, 
you know, it, it's the wildest ride. Like, I, I honestly, I miss, I miss playing poker all day quite a bit, which is pretty amazing because I love, I love to write. I love to work on my businesses. The business is an art too. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is so fun to run my business, right? And but at the same time, it's like it was God. Like playing cards is fun, man. And especially on America's Card Room, I love it because it's kind of like the old days. You know, there's a bunch of recreational types. There's a bunch of, like, gunslingers. And it's just, if you can figure them all out, boy, oh, boy, with that rank back total, you will be making some bank, right? And you'll be able to do it anywhere on Earth. So, anyway, good luck to you, man. Okay, and good timing. That's us just coming under the hour. Uh, okay, Alex, yes. how can people get in touch with you to order your book if Amazon's sold out? Uh, obviously, you can get it on Kindle as well, but I know a lot of yes, people sir. do like the hard copy. Uh, how can people get in touch with you for further coaching, webinars, and all your other goodness? Uh, you guys should sign up for my YouTube channel. Um, we're going to be uh, – actually, I gotta, I'm going to – Barry, you're going to have to work. I'm going to send you a new video that you're going to post. Uh, but I did do a preview webinar for Live Poker uh, 101. Uh, the deal – Let's see. The deal is over on that. It's actually now six ninety nine ninety nine. But okay, if you mention the one outer podcast, you know we'll see what we can do, right? But yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to check out the free webinar, which everybody should do because it's an hour and a half of just excellent live poker content that I had a lot of fun writing, and everybody, there was more than a hundred people at that free webinar, and everybody seemed to have a good time, which is really hard to do on the internet. <laughs> You know, yeah. but uh, there's a, but like, uh, check that out. Live Poker 101 preview. It's going to be in the show notes. Uh, and sign up for the YouTube channel uh, when you do check that out. And on that YouTube channel, I post a lot of free training videos and there's announcements and stuff like that. I'm going to bring up the vlog again. I haven't been vlogging, video blogging. I'm going to start probably doing shorter vlogs, blogs, whatever, just because, you know, I can't, I can't do... I'm amazed how many of you guys really like just listening to me piss and moan for two hours. <laughs> but like how many of you guys sending me emails like, do that. I like that. But I think I'm going to do, you know, like 10, 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, whatever I have time for like every day. So there's going to be the daily blogs. It's going to be letting you know what's going on. And then there's going to be lots of free strategy content coming out. And uh, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. Go to PokerEdrush.com and sign up for that. I have a new project coming up. I just bought the domain names for it. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be really fun. And, uh, yeah, write me at alex at pokeredrush.com for private lessons, everything else. Okay, and keep your questions coming in for next week's show. Or, actually, there's a little bit of a backlog. So, a future show. Yeah. Questions, <laughs> at, <laughs> questions at com on email or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group, and we will get them read out eventually. Uh, thanks to everyone who wrote in questions this week. Um, much appreciated. Until next week, thanks for listening, and cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super-fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.